You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. We're talking about when God calls your name twice. And uh, we're in this in this place where we're, we're, we're talking about this. This is the third person that we'll explore. I, I didn't realize until I came up with this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I hope, this, this, um, th- this series that as part of the exploration of the very first series of messages that, that we had at this church back in 2002 that I actually preached on four of these passages for these people. Didn't connect the other three, didn't do it, but God obviously wants us to look back to the beginning and to be encouraged by by this, this, this call and thinking about the timing of things and as we ended the year and as we begin the year, it's a special thing when God calls your name twice. Amen? And for, for Samuel, it was a call to relate and it was a revelation of God's plans. That's what I mentioned to you. For Moses, it was a, a call to work and it was a revelation of God's presence. And for Abraham, I'm telling you now, it is a, it is a call to obey. Amen. A call to obey, and it's a revelation of God's provision. Amen. And God has a place that he wants to bring you. God has purposes that he would like to help you to help him fulfill. And God has assignments that he wants you to complete. That's why he calls you into relationship with himself. That's why he called these folks' names twice, but and God has blessings that he desires to give you, and God has a land that he wants you to possess, and we can admit, if we are being honest, that sometimes it doesn't seem like God wants to do anything for us or give us anything. We bring our cares and concerns to God with the faithful hope that he will intervene in a particular situation, and we express a desire for God to give us new opportunities and enhance our surroundings and help us with trying circumstances or bless us with new resources and we often don't get the answer that we're looking for and we may begin to believe that God is not really concerned about us at all or that he has forgotten us but there is a question that we must ask and answer in the midst of our investigation as to whether God desires to bless us can you handle God's blessing? Are you ready for what God wants to do in you and for you? Or you see, God not only desires to bless you and use you, but he also desires to develop the character in you that will match the blessing. How long did it take the children of Israel to go into the land that they were promised? 40 years. What was God doing? Verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8 says this, that, he, that God led them in the desert for 40 years to test them and to see what was in their what? Hearts, whether or not they would keep his commands. How long was it between when the prophet Samuel uh, anointed uh, David as king to when he actually took the throne? 10 to 12 years. What was God doing in the meantime with David? He was building his character so that he could actually do the job God wanted him to do. What about Moses? Didn't he initially take matters into his own hands, a la Nat Turner? 
when he killed the Egyptian after he saw the abuse of his own people, he clearly was not ready to lead his people out of Egypt. So God had to season him in Midian and strengthen his character for 40 years before he could be the man of God that God needed him to be to lead his people. And what about Abraham? Right here. God promised him when he was 75 years old that he would be the father of many nations. But Abraham did not have Isaac until he was 100 years old. What was God doing for 25 years? I submit to you he was preparing him to be the father of many nations. You just can't walk into a place of responsibility or blessing with God without the character to match. And you have to develop your character now if you're going to be prepared for God's blessing in the future. This title that I selected, I was, I was telling Sister Kim, it's a, it's, a, it's a double, it's got a double meaning. The test you cannot fail. I'm going to show it to you from, from, from two, different, two different angles. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, not sorry, that I'm excited. But y'all don't even have a clue where I'm going. You got a clue for the first part. I promise you, you do that. Okay. But you got no idea where I'm going for the second part. But I'm telling you now, move stuff out of your way. Don't knock your neighbor in the back of the head when you get up to start shouting. When I tell you about your God. I'm just giving you just a, just a preview. Just, just a preview. Just spread out now. Don't knock anybody's hat off. Don't hit anybody in the back of the head. But if you're still sitting in your pew, then you just do not know your God. I, I'm sorry. But let's play it straight first. I'll talk about you and your character before I talk about God and his character. Character, character, that main or essential nature of something, amen, uh, like a stream that becomes polluted, its essential nature would be, be altered, but, but, but a stream, it, it, it's, it's, its character is, is purity unless it, gets, unless it gets polluted. So again, the, the character of something is the main or essential nature of something, and you can also double that up with that word integrity, that word integrity is really uh, uh, talking about something's soundness or completeness, amen? And, and, I've, and I've shared this definition of integrity with you before. It said, for something or someone to have integrity, it must, upon further inspection, actually be what it appears to be or declares to be. Amen? For something or someone to have integrity, it must actually be what it appears to be or declares to be. You can only do that by inspection. You can only do that by turning up the heat. You can only do that and find out what's in somebody if you turn up the heat on somebody. Because whatever is in them when the heat is on, that's what comes out. Whoever you are when nobody's looking, that's who you are really are because that's who you actually are not what you appear to be or declare to be the integrity is what you actually are and not what you declare and the test of character comes when everything is not right but when 
things are not going well. Amen? And that's who you are when nobody is watching. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, that there, there are certain marks of, of, of character. And, and I, will, I will encourage you this way. The, the journey of Abraham is a journey from Genesis 12 through Genesis 22. It's like Moses enrolled in the class in Genesis 12, and he took the final in Genesis 22. But he had a whole semester where he had to go through and show himself faithful. Listen, the thing I love about Abraham is that he is the, he's the father of faith. No, no question about it. He is the father of faith. And, and I love what it says about him early on in his experience with God in Genesis chapter 15, when it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And in Romans chapter, Romans chapter 4 and verses 18 through 23, we, we know this. And so I don't want to, just, just to establish Abraham's bona fides in, in, in this area in terms of his credibility to be faithful, his credibility to have character, his credibility to pass a test that he could not fail. Amen? Who against hope believed in hope? that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his body which was now dead, being a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now that's Genesis 15, but if you look at the journey of Abraham starting in Genesis 12, it doesn't start here and just go up like this with his faith increasing and Abraham not making any mistakes, Abraham not having any missteps, Abraham not having experiences with God that, that uh, uh, are disappointing, amen? And you got to know this up front with Abraham is the father of faith and he is dealing with some some stumbles and some challenges. That should be an encouragement to you that on your faith journey, as you get to your own Mount Moriah, God can take you up and down. You can move in and out, but you can still be faithful. Even if there's some delay that that happens in, in Genesis chapter 12, the delay in Haran, when God called him in Genesis 11, he called him from Mesopotamia, and he said, I, I'm going to show you a land, and, and I want you to go to that land. But Acts chapter 7 says that they spent time in, in, in Haran, what they weren't supposed to do. God called him and said, I need to show you, but there was a delay. And he brought family with him that God didn't tell him to bring. 
And there was that detour in Egypt. Come on, somebody. Not just the delay. There's that detour in Egypt that God did not instruct him to go. And then when he got to down to Egypt, there was some deception, beloved, in Egypt in Genesis chapter 12 when, when he says, Sarah is my sister. Sarah was so fine that everywhere that Moses, I mean, Abraham went, he says, she's so fine that everybody's going to try to take her. So just tell everybody you're my sister, not my wife. He did that in Genesis 12 when she was 65. He did the same thing with Abimelech when she was 90 and pregnant. He said, she's still so fine. I can't let nobody know she's my wife. After I see Jesus, the second person I want to see is Sarah. I want to see what, what this is like. What's your beauty routine? What you, what you got going? What you doing at 90 and pregnant that he's still saying, no, girl, shoot. Abimelech, anybody see you? Deception. So again, again, what I'm showing you is that Abraham didn't, didn't, didn't quite get it all and do it all correctly, and neither will you, and neither will I. And you can have a faith walk that's, that's characterized by places where there's some delay, and then there's a detour, and there's some deception, and then there's some deviation in Genesis chapter 16 when ha with Hagar when he brought her from Egypt, and she, she becomes the problem because Ishmael becomes a child of the flesh instead of Isaac, who's a child of promise. And so Abraham was trying Trying to solve things that God had promised him by doing it in the flesh. And it caused problems and issues in his marriage. And it, and it caused a, a child of, of the flesh to be born. And that's Ishmael. And how many of you have Ishmaels before you get your Isaac? And then there's distraction and defilement with his nephew Lot. Who God did not tell him to bring from the place he was in Genesis 11, he did not tell him to bring him, but he brought him anyway, and it caused some complication, and he had to rescue him in Genesis chapter 15, and then he had to pray mightily for him in Genesis 18 and 19 when, when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. So again, there's delay, and there's detour, and there's deception, and there's deviation, and there's distraction and defilement. But yet, when we get to Genesis chapter 22, we see Abraham's deportment. What is deportment? What am I saying? Excuse me, not deportment, demeanor. His demeanor, his demeanor, his conduct, his behavior, his attitude, his temperament. In short, how was Abraham carrying it by the time he got to Genesis 22? Because God had decided this is a test. And before that, before Genesis 22, with the exception of Genesis 15, when all the times that God spoke to him, and you can look at it, and you can go through any, anywhere from Genesis 12 to 22, he called his name Abram once in Genesis 15, but he had never called him Abraham until Genesis 22. And sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. Now, he had changed his name from Abram to Abraham because he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He's 99, he's 90-something uh, uh, years old at that point. <laughs> it's in, excuse me, no, he's eight, this is when he's 86. And, and, no, he was 99, he was 99. In Genesis chapter 17, he says, you'll no longer be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I made you the father. I made you the 
father of many nations. Abraham is sitting around with everybody else, and he said, I'm Abraham now, father of many nations. Probably people looking at father of many nations. Father of many nations. You got one kid that you ran off in Genesis 16, and you the father of many nations? He had to carry that. He had to understand that, but the scripture says he staggered not at the promise of God, but counted him faithful that he, that what he had promised, he was persuaded that he could perform. So how did he carry it? And how should you carry it when you get to your Mount Moriah situation? When you get to a place where God wants to test you and see what you're made of, how are you going to carry it? If you have no character, you are not going to carry it well. But if you have the character that Abraham developed, that Abraham was able to develop over 25 years plus, because uh, Isaac now is probably two years old. He's been he's been weaned, so he's two three years old probably at this time. He may be a little bit a uh, little bit older than that, but over 25 years, Abraham is carrying it in such a way that when you get to the conclusion of the test, it's a test that he does not fail. It's a test that he passes. Don't you want to pass the test that God gives you? Don't you want to be ready for what God has for you? So that when Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides, shows up and he reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, you're ready to receive what God has for you because you have the character to match the blessing. And the only way you do that is when he calls your name, it's a call to obey what God has revealed. And if you can obey what God has revealed, then God will reveal himself to you as the one who provides. So what are the marks of character that Abraham demonstrated? It'll be right here in the text. He said, Abraham, here I am, he replied. The only, the only right response when God calls your name is to say, here I am, here am I. I'm available. I'm available to hear. I'm available to listen. I need to know what you're going to say next. And then you see this. He says, take your son, your only son. You love him, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. If this was your story, there are at least seven or eight verses between verse one, verse two and verse three where you're asking a bunch of questions and you're confused and you are begging God, wait a minute, I thought that's not what happens with Abraham. The scripture says in verse 3, early the next morning. Not at noon, not at 2 o'clock, not putting off. When you hear God tell you to do something, you are supposed to respond immediately. Early in the morning, 
The same way that in, in, in Genesis 21, when Abraham had to send away Hagar and Ishmael, the scripture says early the next morning. Even in Genesis chapter 20, when Abimelech got the word from God that, that, he, uh, that he had taken Sarah, and he's like, everybody in your house going to be dead if you touch that woman. And it says in the scripture, early the next morning, Abimelech summoned. Early. You got to get with God early. Don't you feel better in your, in your, in your life? And your, doesn't your day go better when you get with God early? See, that shows godly discipline. You got to have some godly discipline if, if, if you're going to have the kind of godly demeanor that has character. If you're going to have godly character, you got to have godly discipline. Get up early and get with God. Make sure you get in the most important things first. Don't leave God for last. Do it first. That's why the manna was on the ground early in the morning and it would burn up by, the, by noontime in the heat of the day. So if you didn't get it early, you didn't get the bread that God provided. You got to get with God early. Not when you've fallen asleep after you watch the news and sports center. And then you want to throw up some prayer and give God some time. No, get with God early. Show some godly discipline. That is character. Abraham got up. He took with him two of his servants and his son. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out. It's not just that you have godly discipline. You got to have godly diligence. Amen. He cut enough wood. He wasn't going to let that be the reason why uh, things didn't go the way God wanted them to go. He said, you need to do a burnt offering. He knows how to do that. He's built many altars. The scripture says everywhere, basically everywhere he went, you look between Genesis 12 and now, he would go to a certain place and he would build an altar and the scripture would say, and there he worshiped the Lord. And there he worshiped the Lord. He, he, he built a burnt offering and there he worshiped the Lord. Amen. And so he says, I will take the right diligence. I'm going to do this and I'm going to be I'm going to be excellent. I'm not going to do it in, in, in a, in a half-baked way. I'm not going uh, to, to pursue it to be mediocre. I'm going to pursue it to be excellent because his name is excellent. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So he expects excellence, and he wants you to shoot for excellence. That's the standard. And when you come up short, you're mediocre, and that's not what God is looking for you to do. And if you have character, you will have godly discipline and you will have godly diligence but you better have this next thing more than you have anything else and he said in verse 5 he said to the servant stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there we will worship and then we will come back to you God told him you're going to sacrifice Isaac on this mountain Abraham says, we're going to worship, and when we come back, we'll come back to you. Abraham had some godly discernment. Godly discernment. Look in verse 8 when, when Isaac said, hey, man, daddy, the fire got that, wood got that, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide, he didn't say the sacrifice, he said he will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. 
and the two of them went on together. Again, that shows godly discernment. That's what it means. Again, Abraham believing God and it being credited to him for righteousness has everything to do with God telling him back in Genesis 15 that you're going to be the father of many nations, which was the second time he told him. He kind of laid out some things for him there. And Abraham believed, but Abraham has continued to believe, and Abraham has continued to be strengthened, and Abraham has continued to see God be faithful. And he says, listen, I know what he told me. He told me to name you Isaac, which means laughter. I know I laughed, and I know your mama laughed when we heard that at, at 99 and 90 that we were going to be 99 and 89 I guess we were going to be but having ha having children but 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 I still believed and I and I know that he promised me that it's through you he said that I will do it through Isaac so I don't know what's going to happen when we get to this mountain but I know enough about God to know that I trust him amen I know what God said and if you're familiar with what God said you can be encouraged by him saying I will do what I will do I will be what I will be. I am who I am. And that's godly discernment. And then you got to have some godly determination. And when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar. Uh, an an altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar and then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. <laughs> Abraham, Abraham. And it reminds us that in Hebrews chapter 6, 13 through 15, it says, For when God made promises to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he sware by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Godly determination is about you patiently enduring until God shows up and delivers on what he promised. So it's one thing to trust God and obey him after you're waiting for something. It's something entirely different to trust God and obey him after you've received it. We're so good about being faithful and being diligent and being disciplined and being discerning and being determined before God gives. But he gave him Isaac and, and, and it shows this demonstration of character, all of the things around this Abraham's godly demeanor that are so exciting. He did all of those things after God had given him what he had promised. I promise you the seed. I promised you Isaac. And he's still trusting him. Amen. And God did not provide, this, to provide until the sacrifice was made. What do you have to sacrifice before God moves on your behalf? This is the test you cannot fail. 
And you have to understand that the lesson, that the takeaway from Genesis chapter 22 and these verses where God then, of course, provides the, the ram in the bush. And he says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from me, your son, your only son. And Abraham looked and there in the thicket he saw a ram and he went over and sacrificed it on a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, this day that's what it's called. Amen. Jehovah Jireh. He provided after sacrifice was made. And just for the sake of time, I want you to have this takeaway from your uh, understanding that this is the test you cannot fail. You have to remember this. Obedience must be complete. Obedience must be complete. If you want to pass the final, I'm not talking about the midterm. I'm not talking about the assigned reading. I'm talking about the final, the one that counts for, in most classes, the majority of your grade. You can't pass the class unless you pass the final. I don't know any professor that sets up a class where they will, will say that you can, get a, you can flunk the final and still pass the class. That's, that's, that shouldn't be the way it's weighted. Amen. You got to pass the final if you want to pass the class. And, and so you have to understand this. Obedience must be complete. Even after you receive from God what God promised you, God will still make provision. But obedience has to be complete. Obedience must be. The second thing you got to remember is worship will be costly. You've got to put something on the altar. You've got to put something on the altar if you're talking about worshiping God. And God wants, not, God did not want Isaac's life. He wanted Abraham's heart. I got to know you're with me no matter what. I got to know you trust me. I know you got to trust me through the ins and outs. And when you get to this place where I'm giving you your final, I'm expecting you to pass the final because you have character. I want you to realize that obedience must be complete. Worship will be costly so that God's provision can be conveyed. That's when the provision is conveyed. That's when the blessing is conveyed after you demonstrate that obedience is complete and worship is costly. Abraham did not fail his test. Now, here is where it gets more better. The character that you have to develop, that godly discipline, that godly diligence, that godly discernment, that godly determination, that helps you to be in a place, all of that meaning your godly demeanor, how you carry it, that's how you pass the test. It's a test you can't afford to fail. But from God's perspective, it's also a test that you cannot fail because you get something when God gives you his I will. God, and I wish we had 
real time to explore this, so I'm going to have to hit it and quit it. But I'm telling you, God said to him over and over in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and 17 and 18, over and over and over and over, I will do this. I will do that. I will make you a, your name great. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. I will make you into a what? A great nation. I, 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 you will no longer uh, be, be called Abraham, for I, I have made you the father of many nations, and I will make you very fruitful. I will make a nation of you, and kings will come to you. I will, I will, I will, over and over and over. He says, listen, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it because I will do it. And it doesn't matter if there's some delay in Haran. I don't care if there is some deception. I don't care if there's detour or deviation or distraction or defilement. I am going to do what I'm going to do. It's a test. You cannot fail because I won't let you fail. And so no matter what happens on your journey, you have to know that when you get God's I will, you get God's attention. When you get God's I will, you get God's activity. He is an imminent God. He is working out things for you. He's doing things. He is active and involved. He's not going to let you fail if he said I will. You get his attention, God sees, God cares. You get his activity, God will speak, God will act. God will even in, 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 in chapter 20, when it's Abraham and Abimelech, when God didn't ask Abraham, the scripture doesn't indicate Abraham moved on from there and went to the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. God didn't ask him to do that. The scripture doesn't indicate that. He put himself in jeopardy again, and then he used that same deception. Sarah is my sister. But God was like, I'm not going to let this Abimelech character mess up what I'm going to do. And so God being imminent, God being involved, said to Abimelech in a dream, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She a married woman. That's my Ike Turner voice. That's a married woman right there. That's a married woman. Abimelech was like, now that's my bad. Now, I didn't know. So early the next morning, God said, I'm going to close every womb up in here. And I'm, again, that's because God said, I will. I'm not going to let Sarah be defiled by Abimelech. I'm not going to let you with the deception that you have because you're still, not, you're still not ready. You still don't have everything out of you that you need. You're still developing character. That's why you're from 75 to 100. I'm developing all of the character in you so that you can actually be the father of many nations. I'm going to give you my attention and I'm going to give you my activity. I see you. I care. I speak and I act. You get all of that when you get God's I will. Abraham couldn't mess it up because God prepared him for what he had prepared for him. His declaration of intent, meaning his will, is comprehensive, beloved. He has the sovereignty to shape you so that you are fit for his purpose and can carry out his will. He decides the test. And when to test. 
and prepares you for the test so that you can pass the test. This Genesis 22 is a culmination of everything that God is doing in, in, in Abraham's life. Amen. You would hope that the professor that you had at your class says, I'm laying out for you from the beginning. I'm going to give you the syllabus. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to have office hours. You're going to have a supplemental readings. You're going to take midterms. All of this is to prepare you. Hopefully, you they're saying to pass the test. They should not be preparing you to fail the test. They want you to pass the test. God wants you to pass the test. And in addition to being the professor, he's also one who's omniscient and omnipresent and and and, and I'm and immutable and, 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 and omnipotent. And so he has all of the means in his provision to make sure you pass the test. And he doesn't give you the test until he knows you can pass the test. That's how he worked with Abraham. He's not looking for you to fail, and he doesn't want you to ruin his reputation because his name is on you. So, Abraham, you're going to come through. And if that means I got to wait for 25 years to make you the father of many nations so you can understand and go through this experience so that when you get to your Mount Moriah, when you have the blade above and you know that you're going to do everything that you're supposed to do, I'll call your name twice and say, Abraham, Abraham, I make provision. I provide the ram in the bush because now I know you won't withhold anything from me, not even your only son. All through Genesis 12, through Genesis 22, you have shaping moments and teachable moments and defining moments in the life of Abraham so that he could be prepared for the test. That's why you have to trust him. God didn't want Abraham to delay. God didn't want him to be deceptive. But God will use your choices and somehow not violate your choice. But, you, but he also, when he chooses you, he chooses. That's his character. He chooses you. And when he puts that I will on there, his attention and activity, make sure that the outcome is for his glory and for your good. That's why when we talk about salvation and you look at Romans 8 and you look at the five steps of salvation, you are not even involved because you and I, if we were involved, we will mess it up. Salvation is God's from start to finish, whom he did foreknow and predestinate, call, justify, glorify, five steps that have nothing to do with you because it's his salvation program because he said, I will. Jesus said, all that come to me, I will keep, and in no wise, I won't cast them out. Why? Because if, if you were castable, if you came to him, it, that, that would be a problem. But he said, I, I'm going to keep those that I'm going to keep. Why? Because I said I would. I will. And when God says I will, you get God's character involved. And when you have God's character involved and you develop your character, good things happen. Obedience must be complete. Worship will be costly. So that God can do what? Provide and get it so that provision might be conveyed. I will. So again, it's the test that Abraham couldn't fail. And it was the test that Abraham couldn't fail.
He couldn't fail because God would not let him fail, but God prepared him for what he prepared for him. And if he'll do it for Abraham, he'll do it for you. This last bit of encouragement, then we'll close. Romans 8 says, and we know that all things work together for good. To them, I call, to them who, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Moreover, them he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And as portable as those verses are and encouraging as those verses are, I want to rephrase them for your benefit and mine and say it another way. Regardless of the problems God detects, God will manifest the provision he desires along the path that he determines according to the purpose he declares for the benefit of the people he delivers. Regardless of the promise, regardless of the problems that he detects, the Abimelechs, the, the Hagars, the, the deviations, the detours, the deception, the the, the, the lots in, in your life, everything that we might do that needlessly complicates what God is trying to do, regardless of the problems he detects, he says, I will work it out for my glory and for your good. I will do it, and I will manifest the provision I desire along the path that I determine. It may be circuitous to you, but it's God's path, and he knows what he's doing. So it might take him a little bit longer because he's building character, because he's incorporating your, 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 your mistakes and, and the things that you've done, and he's working it all out for his good, your good and his glory. He'd be along the path he determines according to the purpose he declares. I will. all for the benefit of the people he delivers. I'm, it's just so exciting to me that we serve a God who can deliver a comprehensive I will in your life. And all he's asking you to do is trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust 